Costello, and welcome to the Growth Through Grief podcast, where we interview individuals just like you dealing with their own journey from loss to growth, along with mental health experts, growth guides, all with the purpose of helping you heal better, improve mind, body, and spirit, and find your new purpose from the loss and the tragedy that you've experienced. I'm Tom Pacello, as I said. I'm your host, a growth evangelist, as well as being a fellow widower, unfortunately having lost my beautiful bride of 19 years, Judy, some five years ago. Today, we have an author. He wrote the book, Surrender to Your Adversity, and he is Rob Swimer. Rob's a sales executive, and he unfortunately lost his wife, Bonnie, and that was one of many levels of adversity that he's faced in his life, and he captured that in this book, and he was able to fight through each of those and and, uh, get through those experiences with what he calls resilience, to find renewed purpose and joy. And we're here to take those lessons that Rob earned along the way and learn from them. So Rob, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Thomas. It's, a, it's a, such, a, such a pleasure to be able to serve you and your, and your listeners. Awesome. First, I like to start with the beginning. Tell me mm. how you met your wife, Bonnie. Mm. What a great story that is. Thanks for asking that question. Um, so I met Bonnie at 19. Um, I was uh, in college and um, I met her on a blind date, if you could imagine. And um, one of, well, my boss actually set us up and said, you have to meet this girl. And so um, I, I uh, took her out and we met, uh, we met, we were in Boston. We met for our date and uh I am a believer and a person that can witness love at first sight. Um, she opened the door and I felt this weird feeling uh, come hmm. over me and I couldn't explain it. <clears throat> I was actually in a fraternity in college. I was dating at the time, I think two or three women. Um, you know, I was definitely not uh, a person that would say I would be uh, settling down or worrying about it. I never thought of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Here I am 19. <clears throat> um, and we uh, saw each other every night since that night, wow. um, every night until we were married. And of course, every night after that. But um, we we hit it off right away. I, I was I was definitely uh, a testament to love at first sight. I broke up with the other three women. <laughs> and it was so funny on my fraternity. But I was like, what are you doing? You know, and um, I could not control it. I was uh, I was so taken and I knew. I knew in that moment that uh, Bonnie was uh, was my soulmate and was the person that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Wow. I, too, met my Judy through a blind date as, as well. Rob. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, absolutely. And it was not something that I was eagerly wanting to do. And she was even less yeah. eager wanting to do that. But <laughs> kind of very similar. I, I saw her and remember the moment, remember what she's wearing. Remember the restaurants yeah. here in town. I go by it all the time, and I almost picture us sitting at that that table still all these years Same later. Same here. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I have that vision forever. Yeah. yeah. Now, you guys built a great life together. I want to learn a little bit about that. Talk about your life with Bonnie. Yeah, I mean, we had an amazing love story, and uh, we had a love story that included growing up together. I mean, mm-hmm. we were kids. Yeah. You know, and there aren't many people that can that can really point to the fact that they grew up with their mate, you know, and we did. Uh, We did that together. And there were trials and tribulations, ups and downs like any other marriage. 
but every time there was a trial and tribulation, we came out together and came out stronger. Um, and uh, we're a testament to that, to, to being completely aligned and focused on each other um, to make that happen. And, you know, we had a lot of challenges as I go through in my, in my book, there's a lot of challenges that I personally went through that, you know, she stood by me, uh, 200% and never, ever wavered. And for that, um, you know, I live my life today as a, as a tribute to her because of that. Um, you know, we, we built, we raised three kids, uh, three great, amazing, beautiful souls that uh, are thriving today. And, and, um, you know, so we, we had a great life. We moved from Boston to Atlanta, uh, just before the Olympics, raised our kids there. And, uh, and we had an amazing life. We were just about, um, planning our next chapter together as empty nesters, mm -hmm. uh, when, uh, my life event happened, uh, like yours with Judy. Um, yeah. And, Tell um, a little bit about yeah. that night. Cause I know it was, uh, sudden. Yeah. It was, and, and there's so many schools of thought, right, Thomas, on what's better. Would you like to know and go through it for a certain time, or would you like to just be hit with it like a two-by-four? And Yeah, I certainly was hit with it. And uh, this was, uh, and I talk about this in, in Surrender to Your Adversity in great detail, and I talk about that night. And it was just a regular Monday night, you know, and we were, you know, we were sitting around the pool. I had finished work and sitting around the pool with some friends, and we're in the hot tub, and um, and, uh, Bonnie, uh, leaned over the waterfall like she would to get water on her face. Cause she was probably heating up a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. Um, and after a while that she, she was really there for a little bit, seemed like a long time. And I kind of turned, I, when I turned her over, I knew something was wrong. Oh. Um, and, um, I later learned that, uh, she had a massive brain aneurysm, oh, um, and was, was gone really in a second, um. You know, they kept her on life support and kept her alive so family could say goodbye and all that. But you know, I, lo I lost my the love of my life in that moment on that yeah. Monday night. Just any uh, old July. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, you just don't you don't expect that, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and you've been through it. The listeners here are going through that or have been through it. And there's nothing in the world that can prepare you for that. Nothing. Yeah. Now, one of the things that you do credit some of your healing capability with is a journey you went on some years earlier with Bonnie and the family, and that was your hard-won sobriety. Talk about that journey and how that, getting through that and, and gaining your sobriety, how that helped you through the healing process and the growth process after you yeah, sure. So I'm, I stand uh, or I sit in front of you today with uh, 30 years of sobriety, you know, and 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 I did that one day at a time. And every year I get my chip, I, I say the same thing. It's the, the power of God and the love of a good woman. And she stood by me the entire time and my family stood by me. I went through a, a, a horrific time in my sobriety. I had uh, I experienced suicidal ideation. I've conquered that as well and addiction. Um, and I'll tell you that that program is a 12-step program, not only for AA, and they have many 12-step programs, and they can get one for everything these days. It's also a 12-step program for life, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it really is about surrendering. It's mm -hmm. about becoming humble. It's about being willing, right? Willing to make that change. 
And there were things I did in that program that I didn't realize was getting were getting me ready for other life events, including, of course, the loss of Bonnie. And then that's when I started to do the research. That's when I started to become a student of me, a student of personal development to kind of peel back, you know, going back to my childhood with severe adversity in my childhood to say, how did I get through that? Right. And then I realized that I was doing the same basic things every time and sometimes not even knowing it. Right. Um, and then I put that's when I kind of said, you know, I've got to write this book and I've got to pass on these, you know, these lessons that I've learned, but also just make them simple. Right. And there's a lot of work in those, but try to make it relatable and, and consumable for anybody to be able to take these three steps. And and that's what I realized that the program gave me that foundation. And then. You know, then I started, like I said, once I was a student, I realized what I was doing. I realized now I can really take it to another level, which is what I've been doing. And in my speaking engagements and in my coaching engagements, I'm able to do that because I say this all the time. And it wasn't the doctor, nothing about nothing against doctors. It wasn't the psychologist. It wasn't the medication or anything that got me sober. It was the other addict across the table that got me sober. So it is it is that experience that we pass on that you pass on here i'm so grateful that you're doing this because we can relate to that experience and we have some lessons that we can pass on and that's really that's my purpose that's what i'm doing now and that's my whole life purpose is to bring this message forth and to be vulnerable in my message right to tell me to tell others really what i went through and not hold back because if i'm going to do this i'm going to go all in yeah I too have a sobriety story, and that was the day after Judy passed. I put down the bottle as well, yeah. and I have not had a drop since. And that was really Thank important you. to my healing journey. Um, I did not go through a program, uh, but I repeated a lot of the same aspects of it that I know are part of the twelve-step program. We really yeah. have to go back and say, "Look, I know I'm hurting from this loss." that's so prominent today, but there's a lot of other hurts that this is triggering in me. So you've yeah. got to go back and kind of address those old hurts and forgiveness and surrender were two big pieces to what I had to go through to sustain that. I mean, you can put it down for a little while, um, you know, the medication and, and what you were doing with the drinking for a while, but unless you address those deeper seated issues, I found that, you know, you've got to do some work there otherwise, the demons come back. No, oh, they, they're just, well, they're always there. See, yeah. that's the thing. Um, you know, they're going to the mental gym like we need to do and they're getting stronger and stronger. So they're just waiting. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, those demons are just, they're just waiting for us to trip up and they're going to be right there. Yeah, exactly. Now you speak about adversity being the greatest teacher and a quote, uh, mm -hmm. resilience is the antidote to adversity. Talk about, mm -hmm resilience. And I think there are five key aspects that you document in the book. Yeah. Yeah. So with me, resilience is a muscle, right? It's not a character trait that you're born with, right? Mm -hmm. These uh, resilience is something that you learn through your life experiences. So I talk a lot about how men, for example, and women, but men need to go, they go to the gym, right? We go mm -hmm. and we lift weights and we run or we work out or we eat right. We do mm -hmm. all these things for our body and our appearance, right? And our health. I get mm -hmm. that. Our physical health. But we don't go to the mental gym enough. 
And when we go to the mental gym, that's when we develop that resilience muscle. So I'm really keen on that message, right? That I, I speak as a advocate like you do for men's mental health, because we've got to normalize the conversation. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, we can build that resilience muscle, right? And yeah. that's the key, right? To make sure that, you know, as you're building that muscle, you're getting stronger and stronger and you can pass on that strength to and model for your family, your community, your friends, your business associates. They feel that energy, right? Mm-hmm. When you build that resilience muscle, it's so important. So I do talk a lot about that in my book. And again, something I learned that I was doing without even knowing it. I was yeah. building that muscle, right? And uh, and and then when I started to really, you know, develop that, I said, okay, this is this, I got something here. And that's when the surrender came in uh, to give in, not give up, right? To give in, not up. I changed that one word. And that was the key for me mentally to change that word. It's not giving up, it's giving in. Mm-hmm. So I related it to AA where I became humble and I became the servant of the, of the program and okay, yeah. I'm giving in to this, right? And then that's when it all came together for me. Yeah. From a characteristic standpoint, the first one that you talk about in the aspects of resilience is self-awareness. And I think this one is really important. You know, as we're going through the loss, it's easy to get hung up in just the survival process itself. But you've got to kind of pull in a little bit and start to do some maybe reflection. Um, Talk about why self-awareness is so important. I, well, I believe self-awareness is important for every aspect of your life, right? Mm-hmm. And because if you're, you know, you've got to know where you are before you can see where you need to go, right? There's got to be a journey, right? You can't, right? It's, I talk about like, if you're going to climb a mountain, right? You, you have to know which trail. You got to know where you are when you start, you know, any obstacles in the way and any kind of midline corrections you may have to do and, all the data that you're going to need to get to the top. It's no different than anything else you're doing in life. So that self-awareness is so important. And the way I sort of interpret that in the book is my first step. My first step is to accept and acknowledge, right? It's to accept and acknowledge, right? Trade in your expectations for acceptance. If you do that, not only do you have self-awareness, but your entire universe changes and the relationships you have with other people change. The relationship you have with yourself changes, right? And it's that simple little act, trade in expectations, right? Yeah, and there are so many expectations on us throughout our lives. I know I, yep. I always struggled with expectations that I thought my dad had in me, right? I know a lot of us as men have addressed that. I'm sure it's part yeah. of an aspect of some of the healing you had to do too. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. But a lot of it was, um, you know, expectations of the community around you, expectations of your children through the grieving process, uh, expectations of friends and family. And there's a lot that gets thrown on us in this new role that we're taking. We not only had all our old roles, but now there's yeah. all these new roles and new expectations. And I think, as you said, kind of not taking those on and just being self-aware of, okay, here's where I, I am, and I don't have to worry about those expectations that everyone else has for me is probably one of the most important aspects. No, I, I couldn't agree more, and uh, I talk, I'll talk about this. I know you're, you're going to ask me the one key takeaway, and, it, and for yeah. me, it's, the, it's always the same, right? It's give yourself permission, you know, give yourself permission, yeah. and, and that is whatever, you know, you need to do, right, to be you, right? 
as we go through the five, the other one I thought was really good was mindfulness. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's being present, right? Being mindful of who you are and where you want to go. It's also being present in the moment. There's so many distractions, <laughs> so much noise. When you're going through the grief process, and I can, I'm, I'm thinking back, it's been, you know, nine years now for me. And, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about all the noise. I'm sure you had this, all this mm-hmm. noise going on, all the, all the opinions and the friends and the people saying what you should do, what you shouldn't yeah. do. And I think that, you know, if, if you're not mindful of what you need for self care, if you're not present in the moment, mm-hmm. you can get so caught up in that. Yeah. You know? And I remember that. I remember like, okay, should I do this? Should I go out? Should I, should I look like I'm having fun? You know, should I have fun again? Mm-hmm. Should I, I, I mean, do I give my permission to, to laugh out loud? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, stupid things like this went through my mind. Like, you know, what are they going to say if I'm in there, you know, sitting around the campfire laughing at jokes? I mean, oh my gosh, what is he doing? Aren't you supposed to be grieving? And <laughs> right, isn't he supposed to be grieving? Well, how yeah. long is that? Right. And um, so, you know, those are the kinds of things that I discuss, right? And and especially when I speak on grief and giving yourself permission. And I bring in that whole, you know, Brene Brown talks about shame, right? And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, will that play with your mind, right? Yeah. I think I have a half a chapter on that, right? And you know, get that out right there's no shame in anything your your reaction is your reaction yep. and you need to you need to get rid of that right and you need to do what's right for you right um and give yourself permission to be yeah there. totally agree and you know you can get so hung up on the past and regrets about the past the things that you should have could have would have done right and then there's all of the anxiety about the future. What does the future hold for me? And so for me, the mindfulness piece is, yeah, be be here now. This is a journey you're on. And, and don't ruminate too much on the past. Don't project too much into the future. Just try to be present as, as much as you can. Self-care was one that I loved. And sometimes, you know, in today's society can have a, a negative connotation. But I think it's so important. I, I view it as, you know, you got to put your oxygen mask on first before you can even begin taking care of anyone else around you. So talk about that, Rob. I, I wish I had a dollar for every time I said that in a speech, you know, it's like, it, and it's so true, right? Everybody knows that they all laugh, but I'm like, look, it's true. Um, and when, when my life event happened, I remember the moment in the hospital, sitting by her bed (laughs) thinking about you know when i turn around and i see my kids and i see my family what are they going to see right what are they going to see and i was hyper focused on making sure they saw strength Mm-hmm. making sure they saw a model of a father and a husband that was going to not only get through this and survive it, but was going to thrive, find a way to thrive after this. Mm-hmm. And I remember that moment. I remember it. I'm, I'm in, you can tell I'm in that moment right now. And, and, and I'll tell you, it was powerful. 
because when I made that turn, that's what they saw. And, you know, my kids are thriving today. My family is thriving today. I found love again today. Um, my life, I am blessed beyond measure. And I believe it's all because of that moment that I, I was consciously aware of what I needed to do in that moment. That's what I believe. Yeah. And if you didn't have that epiphany then for those who hadn't and are on this journey you can have that moment at any point in the journey right? any point it happened for you right then and there early but you can decide right this moment that right this is this is exactly what i need to do going forward and that's where purpose really comes in play, right? And finding that new purpose. Talk about purpose as one of the five resilience traits. Yeah, sure. So I'm a student of this, um, this game called physical intelligence. I think we talked about this. Um, I'm certified in this. And this is really talking about the language you use internal, external, mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. body language, yeah. what your focus is, sort of your triad of state, and how it affects the hormones in your body. What, what's released? Mm -hmm. So if you're going through this grief, if you're going through this massive amount of grief and, and in uncertainty and, you know, cortisol is just running through your body. That's fight or flight. That's mm -hmm. caveman brain, as I said, right? Mm -hmm. um, that is all fight or flight. Um, so how do I switch that? How do I switch that to oxytocin, for example? Mm -hmm. Now, oxytocin is the love hormone, mm -hmm. right? But it's also the belonging hormone. It's the purpose hormone, mm -hmm. the trust, trusting yourself. So that's what I try and do every day. And that's really about purpose. If you have a purpose, then you are going to release the right hormones. It's good to have some cortisol, right? You got to survive, right? We still have things we got to deal with. But too much cortisol is going to flip you to where you're just panic in panic. Mm -hmm. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things that are rational, irrational. You're going to, you know, you're not going to be the best self. Mm -hmm. So I, I pulled that out and I said, how can I do that? Well, I need a purpose, mm -hmm. right? We all need a purpose. So the book goes to the detail of the steps you can take to get to a place where you can actually look in the mirror and say, here is my purpose. Mm -hmm. you know? And, and that's going to give you, it's going to give you that, that, that oneness you need with yourself it's also going to give you a chance to reimagine who you are as a widower mm -hmm. or as a new person in the world now after that life event, right? You're yeah. going to be somebody different. You're not going yeah. to be the same ever, ever. Yeah, your old identity is not your old identity anymore. No. You know, you're not no a way. partner to Bonnie anymore. So right. what are you going to be now? And that's a big exactly. change for everyone. And you need purpose in being able to find your way through that, to find that new identity. The other thing you mentioned that was incredibly important in your sobriety journey, and I think is not leveraged as much in the grief journey, is that of positive relationship support, that other <clears throat> addict, that other alcoholic sitting across from you kind of guiding you and being that mentor, right? They've been there. They've done that. They've gone through the trials. They've gone through the tribulations. They've fallen back. They've, you know, all of that. And you're able to learn from them. As men, we tend not to seek that help out too often. It's hard for us to share and give that help to others. But 
that's one of the five key aspects of resilience is positive relationships. Talk about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I, and I'll tell you that vulnerability. Okay. I hope all these guys are listening, right? Write this down. Vulnerability is a sign of courage. Yeah. It is a sign of courage. And you've got to have that vulnerability to reach out and get help. You've got to do that. We, It's our responsibility as men to normalize that, right? Mm -hmm. It's okay to reach out. It's okay to say it's okay not to be okay, right? Mm -hmm. It's okay to say that and to admit it. And yeah. the longer you don't admit that, then the more you're going to get deeper in the hole of depression, right? And, and uh, you know, you're not going to move forward, right? With that or new covering it up with alcohol or drugs or substance abuse right. or other things like that, or relationships that are not good and aren't healthy, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. So that's what that's all about, right? Is, is being vulnerable, being humble and making sure that, you know, you make those changes in your language, right? To yourself as much as the outward language, right? But Here's the key, and I know people are dealing with this, they're going through this, and you're going to relate to this too, is you've got chatter coming from all your friends mm -hmm. of what their opinions are, mm -hmm. right? We get that. We love them. We love them all. They're part of mm -hmm. our life, right? But you know what? It's our journey. Just like AA was my journey, mm -hmm. right? It's my journey, not theirs. Yeah. So whatever you do, block out the noise and do what's right for you. Yeah. And no judgment. Mm -hmm. Game, no judgment. It's what's right for you. And I yeah. learned that. I learned that the hard way too sometimes. And you've got an outline of three key steps to build the resilience muscle that I think really sums this up. So just walk yeah. us through those three really quickly. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one I already mentioned, accept and acknowledge, right? Mm -hmm. And that is really to trade your expectations for acceptance. Once you do that, you're humble. You've accepted. You're not fighting upstream anymore. First step. Mm -hmm. Second step is to actually thank the adversity. I am so grateful for all the adversity in my life from as a child, what I went through to, you know, all I'm, I, I get, have, I have adversity every day, all day, like we all do. Right. So I talk a lot about it. I'm starting to introduce this theory about adversity stacking. Mm -hmm. Right. So just like uh, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits talks about yeah. habit stacking. I took that theory and went, what if I did that with adversity? So thank your adversity and stack that adversity, large and small, mm -hmm. right? It's there to make you stronger, not break you. Mm -hmm. The third is to evaluate. Evaluate your options. So I pull back, I evaluate, and then I move forward mm -hmm. with my new purpose and my new perspective. Now, I interviewed uh, every, people all around the world about this, and I interviewed uh, military leaders. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, you know, surrender. What does that mean to you? And they said, well, we, we pull back, we get a new plan, and then we go forward again, right? Yeah. We, we do things differently. They never, ever said give up, yep. right? They never said stop. They always said we pull back, we reevaluate, right? We huddle, mm -hmm. and then we go in for a new, a, a new purpose, new perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, that's what we have to do. You know, if the best and brightest military minds are doing it, in war, why can't we do it in our life, right? Yeah. Uh, and I agree with that completely. And it's part of that growth mindset where, you know, you take a few steps forward, you evaluate, yep. it may be the right steps. There may be one or two of those steps are wrong. And yep. you're not afraid to fail through that process. You're not af afraid to surrender and maybe redirect. Yep. And I think that's important. We're not going to 
get everything right through the grieving process. In fact, it's a guarantee. We're going to get a lot wrong. I got a, lot a wrong. ton wrong. There are things that I look back on. I'm like, what the heck were you thinking? Well, I wasn't thinking and I need to right. give myself grace for that. But as long as you're learning from that in this new journey, I think that's the important thing, the evaluation, the pullback, the take a few steps forward and making sure that you're learning from every experience. I, I couldn't agree more. And the other thing that I will, I'll point out is that, you know, surround yourself with the right people, mm -hmm. you know, and surround yourself with people that are inspired, that they're, they're excited about life and they're grateful for the life they have. And, you know, I, I always say that. And, and, you know, the, everybody knows the saying, you, you know, you're the five people that are in your circle, right. Mm -hmm. uh, is who you are. Right. And mm -hmm. I, I, have, I go one step further and I say, if I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and this is how we have to evaluate, like, who are we spending time with? You know, are we continuing to level up our game? Mm -hmm. You know, are we a student of our game? You know, we always say be a student of the game, but be a student of your game. Yeah. One of the things that I did when I went through some of that evaluation was I realized that, you know, I was doing a lot of things physically to improve lost 60 pounds through the sobriety and the exercise program. I was doing a lot for my mind, growth mindset, podcast, consuming that. Spirituality was something that I wasn't working on as much. I mean, there was definitely a spiritual awakening post, but not, not being exercised. And so like you spoke about, you've got to exercise these things. My spiritual exercise came with then seeking out people who were more spiritual, who could guide me. Mm -hmm. Today, I'm having lunch with two pastors just to up my game. So I'm not by any means the smartest guy in the room. When it comes to right. spirituality, as an example, you know, right. get, get out of my comfort zone, go to lunch with a couple of pastors and talk about my life experiences mm -hmm. with them and have them guide me um, in, in the light with that. Um, Talk about spirituality yeah. in your journey. Was that an important aspect? Because we talked about the physical and the mind. Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, uh, the program, um, you know, I was always a spiritual person, right? Growing, I grew up in Boston. I was Boston Catholic. I went to church. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, was actually, I was actually, yeah, you, you know, uh, and I was actually a singer in church when I was a kid and growing up. And so I went to, I don't know, seven masses a weekend. I think I was, you know, I was always, I was always at the church, right? And, um, but I became very spiritual when I got into the program because, you know, um, because it was part of that surrender for me. Right. And I, it was a God of my understanding who I choose, I choose God. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, you know, I'm not a, um, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a religious, you know, highly religious, but I'm definitely spiritual. And I pass that word. I pass that, that lesson on the way, the way I relate this, uh, Thomas is I, I look for God moments, mm -hmm. right. And, and I talk about this in the book and I talk about many that I've had in my life and that I'm grateful that I was able to recognize them. Mm -hmm. And when I speak in front of groups, I tell them all the time, it's like going down the highway in your car. If you're just looking straight ahead, you're going to miss all the scenery. You're going to mm -hmm. miss all the nice beauty in the world, right? Or the cars that are passing you or other things that you have to see, right? To be safe and, and to, to drive. It's the same thing in our life. If our mm -hmm. heart is not open and we are not spiritual to understand there's something greater than us, right? Then we're going to miss those God moments, mm -hmm. right? And what, what a trap. I mean, so I, I just feel bad, right? That you would do that. 
Mm-hmm. So when I when I started to recognize these God moments as God moments, mm-hmm. then I really opened up. Right. And I do it all day. I, I thank that. And I, I welcome those God moments and and I accept them. And more importantly, I try and learn from them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So some of those I mean, God moments are positive very, moments. Yeah. They're blessings. And then others are lessons. Right. Yeah. And so I know right. for me that one of the key aspects for me to really reconnect sometimes is unplugging, getting away. Um, I've taken a couple of retreats that have been invaluable to just get out there, taking a walk in the woods to talk to God. And yep. there have been epiphanies, poet poems, or how I kind of communicate uh, with him. And the poems that have been gifted during those walks in the woods are treasures in my life. So I encourage anyone, like you said, driving down the highway, you're trying to concentrate on the road because there's a lot of traffic, there's a lot of noise, you don't, you want to make sure you're staying safe and alive, and you're missing everything. Sometimes yeah. getting away, getting back to nature can be a great way to get back to your spirit. And, you know, just trying to exercise it like a muscle is the other important thing. Reading scripture, uh, if that's where your spirituality comes from, Highly suggest it, surrounding yourself with people, doing a Bible study, things like that can really help to build that muscle, just like you'd go to the gym. And a, and a friend pointed out to me, look, you're spending, you know, two hours in the gym every day. You're spending an hour or two on a growth podcast as you're taking your walks. You know, how much time are you spending in the spirit, in the spiritual world, you know, right. in that realm? Right. It wasn't an hour or two. It was, you know, maybe listening to... Uh, you know, a, a little couple of minute Bible app deal. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. you got to start thinking about this balance in your life. And, and if those three strands, the body, mind, and spirit are together and are tight, you know, there's no breaking that. There's no breaking that strength. And that that is a superpower that you can have. You speak about something really important, and that's living in the light. And, and I yeah. love that part. What yeah. do you mean by that? So for me, I have a daily reprieve every day to start my day in the right way, right? And I don't always get it. Look, I don't always get it right. That's for sure. But living in the light for me is making living in a beautiful state Mm non-negotiable, right? And what that means is starting your day out with a state of gratitude. There's always something you can be grateful for. And that's the baseline of how Mm -hmm. I start my day. That's the baseline of how I continue throughout my day as I, things come at me. Um, you know, but for me, living in the light is, is just that it's, you know, make living in a beautiful state, Mm non-negotiable. It's just that there's no, there's no turning back on that. And, and for me, it's, it is the, it's the gratitude. And, and, um, the, the other thing that when you were talking, I have sort of a funny way of, of, you know, being present, I always say, live, live like a dog, right? (laughs) You've heard me say this, but, I, or live a dog's life. And people are like, what is he talking about? Right. Um, a good friend of mine, um, passed this on. Um, he does work with, uh, all the top athletes in the world on, on mindset and being present. And so here's what, here's what this means. If you're walking the dog in the woods, for example, the dog is present. The dog is with its master and it's uh you know fully present looking at the trees the the breeze in the woods the sticks the whatever the water 
it's there. If we're taking a walk with our dog in the woods, we're on our phone, we're emailing, we're worrying about the meeting in an hour, we're worrying about what we're gonna have for dinner, what's the weekend plans, the drama in our world, all any stress, we're not present. We're not being present and mindful. So I tell people, live a dog's life, yeah. you know, and just just that simple thing, put that in your head and when you're when you're stressed out or when you're you know in a high anxiety mode, I tell people disconnect to reconnect, and that's and that's how you can do that. And I do it throughout the day, right? I uh, it's not something that is just inherent and natural for a guy like me either. Am I you know I have a high pressure job like most, and it's like you know what I've got to I've got to disconnect to reconnect. And so just something to remember. It's just a little funny yeah. thing. I said live a dog's life, you know, and and people laugh at it and they go. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to try that. Live like a dog. I love it. And that was yep. a, an important part of my healing as well, Rob, was I did take my dog out for walks. I live right next to a park and I'd go in the woods yeah. and I would disconnect and I would look at the leaves and I'd look at the trees and I would touch the trees. I would go up and just touch them and just try yeah. to connect with yeah. them. Like, I'm grateful you're here and I'm grateful our paths crossed with this tree, the cypress tree that's so big around, yeah. you couldn't even put your arms around it. It's been there for 400 years. And that yeah. was my way of reconnecting with reality in a world for me that was shattered. Um, yeah. But it was going out and seeing the beauty of nature and that even through all this tragedy that I was experiencing, that there's this incredible beauty that I, I wasn't noticing. And now is my time to slow down and actually yeah. notice it in the now. You know, because yeah. like you said, in our high pressure jobs, we're always thinking about the future and that next deal or the next, you know, whatever it might be. And, you know, even in our relationships, you know, we tend yeah. to always say, oh, we're going to that next thing, next thing. And, you know, yeah. life's what's happening. Life happens while you're making other plans. Um, yeah, is definitely sure. what a lot that. of live, live, you know, and, and I don't think it needs to be that way. I think it needs to be much more about the journey. Um What's the one piece of advice, Rob, that you'd like to leave with our growth warriors, our widowers today? Yeah, and I, I mentioned this at the beginning. I, uh, for me, um, I thought about this, and I, I, I say it very often. It's to give yourself permission, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it's the toughest thing you'll have to do. You know, um, it was for me um, to give myself permission to move on with Bonnie, not mm -hmm. from Bonnie. Yeah. Right. Uh, again, I'm a big word guy, so I change one word and it makes a big difference for me in my internal voice and my mm -hmm. physio. I mean, everything that happens with that one word. Right. Yeah. Um, if I say move on from, I'm, I'm not in a good place. Right. Yeah. But if I say move on with, then I'm in a great place. I'm she's mm -hmm. right here. Oh, every day. Mm -hmm. um, I would I would say give yourself permission. Um, and, and whatever that means for, for you, right. Is your permission to, to move on with, with your, with, uh, your spouse in, in your heart, it's a stamp in your heart. It's never going to leave. So it, and that's, that's okay. You know, um, give yourself permission to have fun, give yourself permission to live again and thrive, mm -hmm. not just survive, but thrive. And, um, and you'll be better for it. That's, uh, my, my advice. Rob's book, I'm holding it up for those yeah. in the video, <laughs> Surrender to Your Adversity. Um, it's a wonderful book, a short read, but a powerful one. Goes over Rob's uh, dealing with adversity, the advice he has, and the framework he outlined here. 
And uh, you captured it well, brother. Thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, thank you, Thomas. Thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been great spending some time with you and your, and your listeners. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you for listening to our Grow Through Grief podcast. If you liked what you heard, press the like button. Please subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. And until next time, my growth warriors, keep growing. <laughs>